This is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. Hi there, welcome to the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. It's Thursday, April 25th, 2019. I am Eric, he is Tristan. We do most of the talking while Kyle Soppy apparently handles just about everything else. It's the first night today of the NFL Draft, but don't forget, baseball will be played today as well as all weekend and for the next five months. It is true. On today's fine show, we talk about a certain top prospect in Toronto mercifully getting the call up, plus an extensive weekend preview, plenty of relevant, unfortunate injuries, perhaps a special guest chimes in later, uh, closers, and myriad hash browns as well. Tristan, how are you today? Getting ready for the weekend? I sure am. What an exciting weekend! Yeah! What does that mean? Okay. You Let's... know what that means! You know what that means! We Friday can't night wait baseball to talk about them! In another country, let's get to the buzz! All right, there's plenty of great content on ESPN Fantasy. You can find it there. It is posted about Vlad Guerrero Jr. getting the promotion finally. Um, none of the stuff in the past bothered me. It's it's over. He's he's up now for five months. We can pre- we can pre- presume he's batting third. He's going to play every day. He's going to hit well. There's an article from Tommy Rancel about the scout look. A great historical look from you about all the players in the past who got in-season call-ups. I love that kind of stuff, and I think everybody does. And then I wasted some time with my who I would trade for him. Um, I basically rank him already as like a top 25 hitter. That's what I'm saying. Like I put him in right where Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon rank in my rankings. I love Vlad Guerrero. Do you agree with that? That means he's a top 25 overall player, right? <laughs> Pretty considering, close. Considering the state of starting pitching nowadays, I, I could see that. I, I don't have a major issue with it. I, I feel like you're, you're scraping the higher end of his level of expectations, but I also love the guy. I don't want to, you know, kind of diminish what you're saying about that, about putting him in the top 25. I think the upside is there. I think there's a, a reasonable chance that he's going to reach it. In fact, I'll geeky stat it for you if you like for Vlad. The geeky stat of the day. Holy freak out. The geek is gone. We're certain. Last year, if you take his full minor league numbers, a 9.3 K percentage. Only nine players had 400 or more trips to the plate and had a lower strikeout percentage than that. And he, in the process of doing that, led the minors in batting average, slugging percentage, on base, I mean, uh, not on base, OPS, and weighted runs created plus. And I went through and I checked 14 years of the minor league stats on fan graphs. And while I couldn't get the full compressed years of that with the 400 plus PAs in the minors, I can tell you there, there couldn't have been more than five players who had better than a 10% K rate and at least 250 isolated power. It's extraordinary, just like his dad. Yeah, and I think he's going to be fantastic. The upcoming schedule not exactly filled with loaded pitching staffs. Uh, Oakland, the Angels, Texas, Minnesota, the White Sox, uh, the Giants with their lefties, the White Sox again. So I yep. think he's going to be a monster. Uh, obviously, he's not available in, in many leagues. He's already up to 96% rostered, which is almost full. Um, but I want to ask you, I mean, you, you wrote about what you'd trade him for. Honestly, do, would you trade him? Would you trade him? Well, it's what I would trade to get him. If I had him, I wouldn't trade him. But, like, I mean, I would trade him, obviously, for, right. like, a top 10 hitter. Right. But, like, if you said to me Vlad versus... Man, Vlad like, versus Jose Ramirez. I was just going to say that name. I was just going to say that name. I, I I guess I would rather have Ramirez because I rank him better. But, man, I, I just if I had Vlad, I wouldn't trade him. <laughs> right. Honestly, I, like, I don't want to trade him away. But if you give me... If you say Oenio Suarez, who we rank really well, or Reese Hoskins, who we love... 
Yeah, I would rather have Vlad. I know it might be crazy. He's this, wow, he's not going to struggle. Okay. He's not going to struggle for a month like like Eloy Jimenez has. Right. I just don't I, see that happening. I doubt that you would take Hoskins in a one for one trade if you were. I, I, I doubt that you would turn it down. I think you would you would take Hoskins there. I might. I might. Maybe in two weeks I might. But I, but... I, I like the doubt that's being cast in here. I, I mean, when we, we have to be talking probably only the top 15 players. The players we're ranking in the top 15 of our updated rankings, which, by the way, you and I both put in updated ranks this week. We're looking at a player like that. Otherwise, what's the point? Well, and we're talking about a guy who's rostered in every league, and nobody's going to trade him away. Is there anything about the other Blue Jays around him? Justin Smoke, Randall Gritchick, they're the power guys that should bat fourth and fifth. Freddie Galvis that second, I don't want to waste time on that. But, like, Smoke and Gritchick, would you add them preemptively? Because, like, their numbers should go up, too. They they should, because this is an upgrade to the lineup. Keep in mind that Vlad is taking the space of Brandon Drury, and Drury's production was nowhere near what the projections for Guerrero are. So there will be an overall offensive upgrade for the Blue Jays. The problem is, if you apply it to the individuals in the lineup, over the course of the year, that never tends to range much beyond 10 runs, 10 RBI. And even that, because we're talking over 162, that's only for the extreme examples. I, I really wouldn't, I wouldn't put stock in the others. I agree with that. Um, looking at the most added drop list, Clint Frazier of the Yankees is the number one hitter being added, but he went on the injury list yesterday. We'll talk a little bit with injuries a little bit later in the show as well, but your thoughts on like, Frazier, it's hard to keep guys rostered when there's so many injured. Level of concern here with the Yankees outfield, whether it's Frazier, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge. What's the level of concern ranking? Uh, eight out of ten. I'm extremely concerned because there is no concrete timetable that sounds like an optimistic evaluation for me. So I think these are going to be longer than they project. I mean, the fact that judges was talked was talked about as we we discussed the other day as a severe oblique issue, that's a problem. Stanton's setback wasn't even related to the original injury that put him on the DL in the first place. And I hate to see that one injury potentially creates another one. So I'm worried about when Stanton's going to come back. I mean, at least it was positive that Gary Sanchez came back to the Yankees, but they're really running out of useful parts. I mean, there's a reason they're signing guys like Brad Miller and Logan Morris into minor league deals. They just don't have enough depth here. And if you look at the opening day roster, they had 12 hitters on it. Six of them have already spent time on the DL. Um, let's get some other names here offensively, guys that are available. On the uh, player rater last seven available guys, Renato Nunez of Baltimore, Jose Martinez of St. Louis, I see. Um, Rowdy Tellez, I can't recommend him. Danny Santana. People want to love Danny Santana, and I keep saying, no, you don't. Uh, any thoughts on any of these players? I'm getting questions on Danny Santana as well, who uh, he answered some trivia question for me a couple years ago. But the reason you and I don't like him is the guy just never walks and strikes out a ton. And we're usually not fans of that. And and, and the other thing, too, is how just how many steals is he going to provide you? Eh, not a lot there. Renato Nunez, that's a guy who gets forgetting in AL only leagues. They, they were committed to playing him regularly. They still are playing him regularly. They're putting him in a prime lineup spot. There are worse things to have in AL only leagues than a guy who's playing. I was I, he was on my preseason sleeper list for 25 home runs, and I think he's going to get there. Um, what about Dwight Smith Jr., who bats third regularly? He's hitting for some power, stealing bases. He shouldn't be doing these things, but he is. And anybody who bats third in the lineup, I used to say this about my friend Rico Brogni, he knocked in 100 runs just because of where he hit in the lineup. What if Dwight Smith ended up at like 18 homers, 75 RBI, 12 steals? That's a top 30 outfielder maybe. 
Yeah, because he's playing on a team that has reason to play him. Yeah, you're right. I think that there is something to believe in here, especially if you look at the underlying numbers. He's making contact a decent amount. He's elevating the ball quite a bit this season, which is a a promising uh, development. He's hitting the ball in the air, it looks like, uh, more than 5% as often as he's hitting it on the ground. That's a pretty good uh, development for him. Any love for Ty France of the Padres, who raked in AAA, has to play second for them because they have a first and third baseman. I see like people talking about players like this, like Michael Chavez of Boston, Ty France, guys who, who hit in the minors, get a chance, but like some, most of the time it doesn't work out. I think Chavez will with Ty France. I, you know, I, they have nothing else at second right now, but do you like them? Would you add them? If it was a league deep enough, and he'd have to get promoted for me to do this, I, he I don't was think promoted. He's... France is up. Right, right, right. But I mean, like when there were people who were trying to make the speculative pickups before this, that's where I would have hesitated. And I'm still looking at you know the 15 team mix, the NL onlys for Ty France, just because. Yeah, he's tearing it up this year. Before that, he really wasn't. I mean, he's another contact oriented guy, but I, I, you know, decent lift to the ball. I just, I don't see a lot of upside. Do you? Is all right. Briefly, some other hitters here. Will Eddie Rosario hit 35 home runs? Yeah. Uh, will Michael Brantley bat 315 all season? Hmm. I'll say no. I yeah. I'll say no. But 300. Yeah. Yeah. 300. Yeah. Luke Voigt, Christian Walker, top 10 first baseman. You can make the case. Who's the idiot who said that Luke Voigt would lead the American League's first baseman in home runs? Who is that that moron? I don't know who that guy was. I did. I predicted him to. That was the bold prediction thing we wrote for the right. I do remember that. So you're going to say yes. I think they both could end up. Like if I said to you right now, like I don't want to. I like Joey Votto. We do this on every show. But Luke Voigt and Christian Walker are clearly outperforming like Joey Votto and Jesus Aguilar. This is the Luke Voigt thing, and you've made the, I mean, we've made the Walker case plenty. We haven't for Voigt. Voigt has what Aaron Judge does without the elite contact. He doesn't put up the, the velocities, the exit velocities that Aaron Judge does, but he has that all field power approach. And in Yankee Stadium, that's extremely beneficial. He can take advantage of that, that shallow fence in right center and right field. Uh, Ray Mel Tilapia of the Rockies, three homers. Seven. <laughs> so funny. I love it. Uh, you love him? You love Tilapia? Ta- ta- Ryan oh, Tilapia. He's <laughs> <Somebody's> hungry. <laughs> I don't even need fish. Wait, His what new nickname, yes. Right oh there with God. Mr. Pluefish. He said it without blinking, too. That was the best part. Like, it just <laughs> rolled right off the top. <laughs> Nick Marja, I don't know his last name of the Padres. Um, any interest in Tapia? Nobody um, cares. What's the difference? Some. That, you know, he belongs in that same sort of tier as Ty France that we talked about before. I think there is value in him so long as he's playing at whatever point. And I think that there isn't as clean a path right now. He's got some utility to you. I don't think he's going to matter in the ESPN Standard Leagues. Um, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, listeners to this fine show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. 
That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabell. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now we talk the smartest way to talk about relief pitchers in the Closer Carousel. The Closer Carousel. Now we even shouldn't, we shouldn't even get credit for this. We, we said Cody Allen would lose the job as the Angels closer and it took three weeks and he did. But it's clearly not Ty Buttry. He's pitching like fifth, sixth inning and yesterday he went like three innings to lose that game against the Yankees, a game that they should have won. Um, it's clearly Hansel Robles for me, but I'm going to take the under on like more than 15 saves. I do think, I don't think Cody Allen gets 15 saves this season now. Do you? Oh, yeah, no, no. I mean, Cody Allen needs to make some major fixes because this dates back to the, the entirety of the second half of last year. He's been a train wreck since last All-Star break. But I think clearly is awfully strong to describe this bullpen. I, I don't agree with that in the slightest. In fact, I, watching this game, I did not think that Ty Buttrey really deserved to oh, be no. criticized for this game. This was a, a bad luck loss where they asked him to get eight outs. I thought what he did was pretty extraordinary, frankly. And Robles coming in to just get that last out in a game where it wasn't even a save situation or a tie game at the time. I mean, yeah, but it's cares? indicative of how, the, how Brad Osmus oh, is I using Buttrey. I don't, I don't he's think he's been so pitching in the fifth and sixth innings lately, I Tristan. I, I get that, but he's still. Uh, Robles has been good, but what Buttrey is doing in terms of the command numbers, the underlying stats, oh, he I has agree. been their best pitcher. I no doubt. If he's Trevor way, May, I get it. He might be Trevor May. The way he's being used, or like Sir Anthony is like a multi-inning guy, I just I don't see him getting saves. I mean, I could be wrong today, I suppose. Um, Emilio well, Pig, you're going to be right today. He's, Buttrey's not, not getting playing. the safe chance today. Well, yeah, he pitched too much today, or yesterday. Um, any concern about the Rays? Emilio Pagan, um, back-to-back saves, but, he, but the Rays did not use either of their other closers. Um, still seems like it's Jose Alvarado to me and then Diego Castillo, but that, that could change. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and the beat reporters were saying that they felt that Alvarado and Castillo had been too heavily used early in the year. And that was the only reason Pagan got in there. They were trying to rest those two, but it signaled that this is still a matchups bullpen. Alvar- Alvarado's going to have a very hard time getting to 35 plus saves. I agree with that. Um, we have one combo meal. Let's hear it. Hey, it's a combo meal. I moved Jose Ramirez out of my top 10, not far, like 12, 13. Like, so I'm not really all that worried about him or Lindor, but I mean, it was a one game or is Jose Ramirez going to do what he did? He's not going to do what he did last year, is he? You um, have to, to be ranked by us this well. Well, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. That's a guy who I really should be diving deeper into and seeing exactly how I feel about him. I, I, I mean, he, he, he kind of altered his swing to really go for a lot more power, and he's going to have to trade batting average to do it. But the steals have got to be there. That's – Yeah, know. and I don't think he's stealing – I mean, I guess he could steal 20 bases. Um, let's go briefly over the past couple of days and then preview the weekend. Steven Matz, that was obvious. He was going to pitch well against the Phillies. If you dropped him after the game where he gave up eight runs with Marion out, I thought that was a mistake. I how is it right obvious? Away. Steven Matz is a guy who's very talented, but health is always the issue. He gave up eight runs in the first inning of the Phillies. I uh-huh. thought for sure his outing on Monday was going to be a good one. And it was. It was pretty much exactly as I predicted on this show. And now, over the we, full course— We said that's baseball. 
We said on the show that's baseball. We did not say that he was going to have a game like that. We said that's baseball. Oh, I either said or wrote that he was going to have six innings of two-run ball, and he had six innings of one-run ball. I, look, who has the advantage in a rematch right away? The I think pitcher. the pitcher. The, well, I did the data on this a couple of years ago. Yeah. It is actually the pitcher. So, I mean, I'm not saying Stephen Mass is going to win a Cy Young, but I'm saying he'll make 25 starts with an ERA of 375. One outing doesn't change that. I mean, it changes the ERA, but now he has to work harder to get it back. I, I like the ratio. I, I do question the starts. And as you said, you brought up the injury question with him. If he could stay healthy, he'd be a much better performing pitcher than he's you know had in the tank so far in and his then, career. Zach Wheeler the next day was looked awesome. 11 strikeouts. He homered. I mean, the Mets Mets can win this division. Four teams can win the NL East. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, legitimately, that, that's going to be su- such a fun race. Don't throw at people's heads either. I don't care oh, what they did to you. Don't throw at a hitter's head. Yeah. Throw at his butt or his legs. Don't <laughs> His feet. <laughs> Make him dance. And, and if you want to take <laughs> a, three minutes to circle the bases after a home run, that's fine, too. You know what? I, I Don't throw at his head. Chris Sale on Tuesday, that was good. Ten strikeouts, but only five innings. He's inefficient now, too. Yeah, the the Chris Sale experience is starting to frustrate. It's me. unreal. What is he? We were it was like a decade of knowing exactly what he was, and I feel like every start is something different this year. That, that's the problem is that each start has been different. Like that Yankee one, the velocity there, and nothing else was. And you know, like the other ones, the velocity's gone, and the the off speed stuff is there. What <laughs> this guy is maddening. Um, and but if you've got him, you keep him. You don't trade it. This is not a sell high or a sell or anything like that. Like Chris Bryant, I don't know if you wrote, saw. I, mean, I did. I wrote it. Um, I think it's posted. Chris Bryant, um, he's not hitting for power. That shoulder is still a problem. If you want to trade him away for 75 cents on the dollar, I agree. But Chris Sale, no. Is that fair? Yeah. I, I hate to give up on Chris Bryant this quickly because you and I did see that had he been healthy, there was great rebound potential. But he's not. And you and I did raise this question very early in spring training. Is he going to be fully healthy? I th- the answer, I, unfortunately, looks like no. We had a question on Twitter with the Bryant trade. It's Bryant and Paddock for Rendon and Clevinger, noting that he can stash Clevinger on the aisle. Man, I don't want to trade away Paddock. I if I said to you who will have more value the rest of the year between Paddock and Clevinger, wouldn't you say Paddock? Paddock? Yeah. And Clevinger's out for two more months or something like that. I yeah, the— the, the the length of time for Clevenger is a big concern. It's a good it's a good upgrade but on the hitting side. I, it's a great upgrade. I mean, I just I don't see Chris Bryant hitting twenty home runs the rest of the season unless something magically fixed. This is not like Matt Carpenter last year. It really isn't. I don't think Carpenter was hurt. I think Bryant's so he can't even hit. He can't pull fastballs. He can't catch up to fastballs. Now, granted, he might homer today, but I just I don't see it happening. I'm, and it, look, if he if he changes like Carpenter did last year, I'll admit I was wrong again. I'm wrong a lot. I don't know why you why are you listening to this show if I'm wrong all the time. Carpenter, okay, but Carpenter ties to the rant I had the other day about the the level of patience that's required. And in a standard mixed league, you cannot just sit on two dreadful months. If you're Attic. on a 15 teamer or an NL only, I get oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have him in a in a shallow league, and I'm just going to sit Bryant. I mean, it's not hard to find a third baseman. I'm sitting Bryant for Renato Nunez. It sounds ridiculous, but. For now, don't you have to if you need power? Especially if you're maximizing daily matchups in our game. That's a, a tailor-made situation for that. If I told you that Chris Paddock and Mike Soroka end up as top 30 starting pitchers, would you laugh? No. Uh, 
because I, I'll, I'll bite on Soroka being able to stick in that rotation. That I, I would question the the um, playing time more than the he, talent. Soroka could be Atlanta's best starting pitcher in fantasy oh, yeah. this year. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's really much of a debate. Where is he exactly for you? I think he I think I had him 35th or so. I don't, amongst I don't know if I ranked him well enough. I just injuries. I, I just am concerned that he's not going to make 25 starts. Paddock yeah. is. I would rather have Paddock than Soroka. Well, Let's, Paddock could have the the innings cap. Um, he could unless they're contending. <laughs> They're not going to Strasburg them. They're going to. Mm, are you right? sure? Um, briefly, the preview of the weekend. John Lester set the return today from his hamstring injury to face the Dodgers. You do not want him, but he. But, what? <laughs> Why are you booing? <laughs> I don't even understand. Because when Lester's back, that means we don't get a Tyler Chetwood experience. We <laughs> touched on it the other about, day. I knew but, that's where you were going. Yeah, I had no idea what you were no doing. No clue, there. Eric. I oh. caught you by surprise. There. Yeah, no, Tyler Chetwood. Six innings, strong ball, just wanted it on record. So when, you know, past so, generations come back and listen to this podcast, they know what happened. Past generations? <laughs> How about today? Sure. You, you think Tyler Chatwood would, alright, Tristan, cause he's yeah. biased. I, I don't if, think if Tyler booing Lester. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone there. Oh, if, Tristan, no. if I told you Tyler Chatwood makes 20 starts for the Cubs this season, oh. give me his numbers. Oh, jeez. 415 ERA. Maybe, I mean, that's being uh, maybe too optimistic. All right, that's all you need to say. <laughs> ESPN Plus today has Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole. Check that out. That's going to be a good one. Um, what else today? There was something else today that I wanted to say. Let me see if I can find the actual schedule and tell you that. Oh, we're wasting time, but, you know, does anybody care? Um, no, I guess. Oh, Taylor Hearn making his debut for Texas. You can't use him at Seattle. Hearn is a home run suppressant guy. And Seattle is a home run. What is the opposite of that? <laughs> home run <laughs> encouraging place. Yes. Oh, Rick Porcello is pitching today. All right. Let's get the, the heat going. By the way, the, the Hearn one. Nice. Yes. Keep it up. The the part that scares me just a little bit about Hearn is that this year in AAA, he has been more fly ball oriented. I agree with you that, that what we saw at the lower levels was interesting. He got K's, missed bats, and he kept the ball down. Isn't doing it as much in the high levels. Uh, Friday night, Vlad Homer's le- le- in his first at bat against Mike Fires. First pitch, right? Mm, yeah, he's not taking a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> first swing. Unless it's over his head, and even then he might be able no, to even hit then. It. I don't think he's exactly like his father in that respect. He, he, he makes a lot of contact. I mean, his father did too, but I don't know. I, I, you know is... that number I said before? Do you want to talk about his father? That thing about sub 10K percentages and 250 plus isolated powers. His father did it twice. They are very similar. Uh, unbelievable player. He's going to be awesome. Um, do not use Mike Fires this weekend at Toronto or probably ever. Um, what else? Jake DeGrom we'll talk about a little later. Jace Anderson might be in Milwaukee's rotation. Gio Gonzalez could be in that rotation as soon as this weekend, I suppose. I wrote today, and I know you read it, that Gio Gonzalez could be Milwaukee's best fantasy starting pitcher now the rest of the season. I loved Woodruff. It's not going well. I loved Peralta. That went poorly. I loved Corbin Burns. Clearly I've been wrong about Milwaukee's rotation. Joe Gonzalez is not special, but every year it's like a 360 ERA. You know, he strikes out eight per nine. That's okay. He's durable. I, you know, I get I, it. I I feel like you're you're offering more of a criticism of the alternatives. Others. Yes. Well, Which, I am. Aren't you? Yeah, and and I don't want people to get the wrong impression as a result of that. I don't I don't think Joe Gonzalez is that great a pitcher these days, and I don't think it's a good ballpark for him. And what I worry about here is that they could go with that bullpen oriented pitching staff where they do a lot of openers and they do a lot of shortened outings. 
There were times last year, I think, Tristan, where we ranked Gio Gonzalez as a borderline top 40 starting pitcher. True or false? False. I disagree. I, I Last year? Yes, as recently as last year. Mm. He is what he is, and that's okay. Like, you can take your chances on Carlos Rodon or Tyler Skaggs or Danny Duffy, but you kind of know what Gio Gonzalez is. I'm not saying there's any degree of upside here, okay? But there's also no downside. He is fine. He is a 360 ERA, 128 whip. And if he gives 150 innings, that's 130 strikeouts. He should win on that team. I just think, you know, he's better. He's fine. That's, it's not, it's a, not a ring endorsement, but he's fine. All right. Anyway. So there is downside. You can get him now in labor. What are you spending out of 100 fab? Well, me, I've already spent half on Kevin. You Blum, have, but... you have 100 fab. It, like, take your own team's uh, context out. 15? Not... 20? Okay, so the downside is you threw away twenty fab. Well, the downside I could throw I threw away two dollars on Brian Reynolds. Like there's downside on one and anybody that's available at this point. But Gio there's I, I bet Gio Gonzalez goes for more than twenty dollars in NL labor. To your point, okay, I I am mistaken. I had him thirty ninth to begin last year. Exactly. That's yeah. my look. I'm not trying Fair to prove point. you okay. wrong. I'm trying to prove that he's a usable fantasy option. I I, I like accuracy. On. I'm sorry, I was mistaken on that. I don't remember how I felt on opening day last year, but you felt like I don't want to draft this guy, but he's usable. That's how I felt, and and that's totally fair. Saturday, um, John Snow at Atlanta against Mike Fultonevich. Who you like better? Rest of the season, John Gray and Fultonevich. Ooh, that's a that, fair one. That's a great question. I I think I'm going to go with Fulty. I feel better on the start, to start. Yeah, and I do like Gray. That's that's a great question. Well, I'm here. Are you for on board? Like, Are you joining me? I do. I, I have been impressed by John Gray. Yes, good uh, on the road. He's looking yeah. like a legitimate road. He, stud. he looks like he's turned a corner, but it is still April. I want to see a little bit more. Should he be rostered in all leagues? Yes, John John Gray should be rostered in all leagues. Certainly more than you, Darvish. If you want to go in that direction, go ahead. <laughs> He's dropping um, to my ranks pretty quick. Yeah. Next year, you'll ask me, did I have you Darvish in my top 40 at the beginning of this year? And I'm like, did I? Oh, I man. definitely did not. I definitely, I would rather have you Gonzalez than you Darvish. I'm oh, just saying. Wow. Wow. Why are you messing with you Darvish? <laughs> Tyler Chatwood or you Darvish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a tough you. one. I'll take that. I, I don't know what we're betting, but I'll take, one. I'll take Darvish over Gia. Tyler Chatwood or John Lester tonight? Who, you have to start one. On. Who's it going to be? Wow. John Lester. Like you know what? That. You hate John Lester. John Lester is the same as Gio Gonzalez. The I'm numbers not. every year are the same. But my point is I'm not using him tonight. No way. Oh, no, no. Not against Enrique right. Hernandez. Right. Exactly. That's the problem. That's this the guy you're avoiding. No. That's like the Mike Trout of the lineup against lefties. Oh, jeez. Um, but, but I'm just saying like, People hate on John Lester and Gio. Like, they're better than you think. They're fine, okay? Derek Holland is the same now. You, he is fine. I know you don't rank Derek Holland well or at all or Jay Happ, but these lefties, they are consistent. They are now durable. They're reliable. John Lester's not going to win 20. Zero is not going to be below 350, and his strikeout rate keeps dropping. But he's fine as your fifth or sixth starter. And your point here applies brilliantly to any league that is deeper than our standard game. Yeah, because playing we, we time, play in those leagues. But but that's the thing. And a lot of people, and I'm sure many, many of the listeners do, playing time matters the deeper the league. And I'm going to lose Vampire again this week. Barely. And I don't know how I keep doing it. But <laughs> you, you're winning. You're in first place in your league after three weeks. You're no, ridiculous. I'm no, I'm not in first place. I'm tired place. of you winning these I leagues. I am not 
not in first. Tired of you winning. Kyle, am I in first place? He's not in first place. Maybe we should, should switch <laughs> Tristan to take over Eric's team and see if he can oh, resurrect that's it. Right. Eric is so bad at, at <laughs> oh, fantasy no. that we need to bring in Tristan to fix <laughs> no, his team. No, but then you get Tristan's <laughs> I've team, I've had it too. with you, too. <gasps> I didn't say you. anything. You're alone on Monday. Uh, Sunday night baseball ever so briefly with the crew Carlos Carrasco it says here he's making the start I don't know against Wade Miley um, if Carrasco makes the start you got to use him but that was he left his last start with the injured knee I yep. uh, ESPN plus you know who's underrated Trevor Williams this is the whole underrated show Trevor Williams has like a third best ERA in baseball since last year's all-star break you can say he doesn't have the stuff he doesn't throw hard his FIP is twice as high Trevor Williams keeps pitching well every outing Tristan he never gets lit up and nobody wants him. As a matter of fact, yeah, he's five for five in quality starts. <laughs> it's, it's but you're never going to rank him well because you think that, like, he's the inverse of Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta never has numbers that are good, but his FIP is great. And Trevor Williams is the opposite. Nobody ever wants to roster him. And you know what? That sounds like a blog idea for next week. I this, like, is, this is fair. Now I'm going to make you put a number on him. Trevor Williams? Yep. Sub 4 ERA. Which no, no, no. Is never give doing. me, give me the fantasy value point first among starting pitchers of Trevor over, Williams. Over Gio Gonzalez and John Lester. Okay. But I don't know what, I don't give much. you that. Like top 40 starting pitcher, Trevor Williams? Yes, he should be ranked that way. Hey, it, this is enough of a sample. It, it's, it's not just April and it's not just last September. It's, he's proving that he can outpitch his peripherals. My, my brain stops to think for a minute, which you don't agree with val- me. And no, it validates the point, but. Trevor Williams has got to start missing more bats for me in order to make me believe that he's going to do this all year. I, you're right. It is a, it is a lengthy it's sample. It's not a big strikeout guy. I'll give you that. Is but he his, like Kyle Hendricks? His his ERA since last season started, according to Kyle. Is that right? 303 ERA and a 1.14 whip since the beginning of last. So this is a year and a month. I don't know what you, more you need to see. I don't. I, he's got. I mean, he's got a. He shouldn't be doing this. Three K per nine. Okay. Yes. And if you roster him in a ten team league, you're not going to win strikeouts unless you've got you know Scherzer and Verlander. So he's, yes, he's Hendricks. He's Hendricks. He's fine. Clearly... Kyle Hendricks was ranked as a top thirty starting pitcher all last season. And what Why is can't he Trevor now? Williams? Well, he's struggling. <laughs> and but, that's and Trevor the Williams point. will. But Kyle Hendricks did this for three years, Tristan. We're going to wait until 2022 to say we were right about Trevor Williams being bad. He's not you're, bad. But your point is fair on that one, but it it always seems to come back to bite these guys. This is the Kyle Freeland problem from last year. And granted, yes, I know Coors. Pansy's a whole different environment for him. But um, it comes back to bite these guys eventually. That's what scares me. You can't be mean to Trevor. It's his birthday today. Wow, is it? Yeah. I mean, I, he's I getting all the Happy birthday. He's moving up 20 spots. Yeah, in my he's race. getting all the pub on the podcast. This is the turning point in his career right now. Well, I, I think oh, the next turning, turning point, point would not be for good. <laughs> That's Don't say that. Let's stop talking and play some music in the hash browns. Okay. I don't know why I'm arguing with you today, but like, I, you know, you guys can only, you guys can only point out how bad I am in fantasy for so long before it starts to get to me. I mean, like, what place are you in in labor NL, Mister? I do terribly in my leagues. Come on, I'm, I'm in first, but I'll by blow how it. much? I'll blow it. I by how do. much are you in I will, first? I will bet you money that in NL labor I will finish in second place. Where's Steve? I to validate. He's walking his dog. I'm <laughs> going to finish second. I get the field. You get second place. I'll take that bet. <laughs> I, obviously, I'm not bad at this, but like, I, no, I it's a, doing well in the in the in the vampire league is almost impossible. Like I, I, I'm using such bad players. Like it's different in a points league. It is different um, in a points league. Yeah. But let's get to the questions before we have a, maybe a special guest. 
Maddie wants to know if Dwight Smith is a real deal. He's been hitting to get things going, and there's really nothing to concern him about it. Is there something there? or is it What are you saying? Nice <laughs> I know. I, I got caught up there. I was reading a few questions at once there. Let's just say Dwight this. Dwight Smith. Dwight Smith. Something but- or nothing. Is he? What's the? What was the drop with Bona, Bonafide or Bonifacio? Bonafide. Um, I, it's time for Bonafide or Bonifacio. <laughs> um, I believe it's Bonafide. You're welcome. Yeah, I would that's say really correct. Olay, Olay, Olay is right. If I said to you that if he gets 550 PAs, which seems pretty likely because Cedric Mullins is awful, Dwight Smith 550 PA, 16 home runs, 75 RBI. 11 steals. That's fine, actually. That's legitimate. That's lower than what I said a half hour ago, but I, I, I've soured a bit on him. Stock is on the rise. I'll make you sour more on him. What? 87.0 average exit velocity, mile per hour, oh, that is. That's bad. 30.3% hard hit percentage. That means the 95-plus mile per hour hits. That's pretty bad. But he'll knock Four, and run just batting third. 4.1% barrel rate. That's, that's like a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's not quite like a pitcher, but... <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with your projected numbers. They're, they have reason to play him. If you play enough, you can get 18 homers and 75 RBI. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather have Renato Nunez, but they both will do it. Uh, what's next? Bill wants to know if he can cut Garrett Hampson in favor of Eric's favorite player, Danny Santana, no. at this point. <laughs> He's not my favorite. I, I got I bid on him in tout. There it is. There it is. I did the dumbest thing in town. I did the dumbest thing possible. Uh-oh. I you looked stick at... to your tongue to a pole, Eric? No, is I did the second, second dumbest okay. thing possible. I, I went with matchups on a guy, on a pitcher. I had a, I, I had the ability to bench a couple guys. I've had inj- a lot of injuries in that pitching staff and offense. And I picked up a pitcher against Baltimore earlier in the week, and the second outing looked like a good one, too. And he, he got obliterated. <laughs> Ivan Nova. That was dumb. Oh, no. <laughs> that game. But I thought, oh, against Baltimore? What could happen? And the other outing this weekend, who's against a team? Uh, who's Baltimore playing this weekend? Uh, oh, the White Sox. At Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I was like, all right. Yeah, I could use the 15 strikeouts and maybe a win. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, I, I just man. don't think Danny Santana keeps this up. Rugnet Odor comes off the DL this weekend. But you know what? I am cutting Garrett Hampson, Tristan. It's not going to happen. It's just not. He has no degree of power. He's not DJ LeMayhew. He's not going to play now that Daniel Murphy's off the injured list and they're playing McMahon. It's that Ryan McMahon's a better player. I'm cutting both of them. Cut Hampson and Santana and pick up somebody <laughs> better. <laughs> yeah. Let me yeah. let me tell you who. I, I, no, I'm serious. Wait, like, you want a middle a infielder. Oh, man. Why is Brandon Lau available in 60% of the leagues? That's just dumb. Pick I up Cole know. Tucker. Pick up Tommy LaStella. He's going to finish the season if they keep playing him every day at second base. He will bat 275 the rest of the way. Maybe not with power, but he's got six home runs already. Tommy Listella, There's a name that takes me back. I sat next to his brother on a plane once. Did you really? I did, yeah. How do you know that? Because he told me. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) Pointless stories on today's show. Caleb... Notes that Yasiel Puig is struggling in a big way. He wants to know what your outlook is for him long term. We're talking keeper I, leagues. I don't know why people invested. I, I, I look. I probably ranked him too well, but I was never on board. You, I, you, you can vouch for that. Never on board with Puig. And he's he's just, he is what he is. He's he's uh, he's very streaky. He's very emotional. The, the stolen base thing is not a thing. Two sixty with twenty two home runs. That's awesome. If you want that. 
But you know what? Dwight Smith might 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 end up higher on the player rater than Yasiel Puig. I'm not saying I would rather have Smith than Puig. I, I wouldn't do, do that. I wouldn't cut Puig for Smith. But I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if a if a PA guy like Smith just has better fantasy numbers. But you know what? A bold prediction is yes. Dwight Smith is going to out outpoint Puig. Okay. He is. But 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 in a keeper league, I don't think you'd begin to make that case. No, but I don't want Puig in a keeper league because it's not going to get better. Right. He, yeah. He's not getting better. This is what he is, and Cincinnati will dump him soon to someone lesser, and he is just – he is not what you think he is, people. He's not a top 30s fantasy outfielder. I'm sorry. So the only way I've led anybody to Puig in a keeper league is if you listen to me, what, four years ago where I believed in him stupidly? Yeah, I believe too. I used to. But I haven't for about three years, and – if you listen to either of us, you don't have them this year, and you don't have to worry about this. But guys, I prefer probably in that range for a keeper league, Nicholas Castellanos. Oh, without how are they even in the same range, Tristan? I I, I'm, I rank Castellanos like fifty points higher than Puig. Uh, well, so did I. But but there were people drafting him at one ten. I do recall that. That was ridiculous. He was. A I will find outfielders on the most added list. I'd rather have than Puig. Mazzara. In a yes. Uh, Frazier. Yes. Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier. Um, mm-hmm. Gregory Polanco. Now that tells you something because I'm not a Polanco fan. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that either. Jock Peterson. Um, Jock's not, a tough one. Yeah, not yeah. Danny Santana. <laughs> Adam Eaton. Yeah. Uh, not a keeper. But Puig, yeah, he's 30. You say the word keeper. Harrison Bader. Yeah, Harrison Bader was the next name I was looking at. I'm thinking about that. I, I Yeah, I think I'd do that. I'd take Bader. I just, Puig is not a top. Winker. the outfielder for me either either now or in keepers. Um, let's read something here before we move on. Uh, this show is sponsored by SeatGeek. Wonderful people at SeatGeek. The ticket industry has not changed in a long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been around forever, but they don't really care about making the experience easier for the customer. Well, SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map. So it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are good deals, and red dots are overpriced, like Yasiel Puig. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And best of all, listeners to this awesome show get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's awesome! SeatGeek supports our show, so we hope you will support them as well. Use our promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. You can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, that's promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. All right. What are we doing next, Kyle? Vandalay wants to know if there's any reason not to just deal your strong bats for strong arms in a points format. Well, I mean, an ace can win you a points league. I'm not saying Mike Trout and Mookie Betts can't, but Tristan, when you get a season like Garrett Cole did last year, or Mike Fultonevich to throw a name out of the top 20, or what Luis Castillo is doing now, those guys win points leagues. So I don't think that this is an, a great strategy. I mean, you, you need to fill your roster the way you fill it, but strong arms carry you, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, and the only way I can say... No to this question is if your league has an unusual scoring system, because everyone that I play in values elite starting pitching, and you need to grasp... Are you winning your points league? Yeah. 
Don't ask silly questions, Eric. <laughs> I know. Hello, You're making me, me jinx it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not a thing either. I already told you I'm going to finish second in labor. I don't know who's going to win, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, let's just say the gap has narrowed a little bit this week because I didn't have any two-star pitchers. But, yeah, I'm leading right now. I'm actually not looking at the labor standings except on Sundays. I've decided I, it's not worth it. I know who I have. I can't bid on anybody midweek. I wait until Sunday. That's my discipline in that league. I'm waiting and tout. I wait until Sunday when I need to pick up, make pickups, see where I am. I mm-hmm. know if I've had a good or a bad week. But what's the, what's the standings matter on April 25th? They don't matter at all. Now, after Labor Day, are you not checking it every 10 minutes? September? Yeah. After Labor Day. 10 minutes? No, that's not me. I want to win, but <laughs> me looking is not going to help that. Eric doesn't even check his phone every 10 minutes. Um, I check my phone. I mean, I open it. Hours, yeah. Well, I I see if I get a text. Ah. And you know, like, but yes, I'm trying to wait every top and bottom of the hour. You guys think I'm nuts? So why are we talking about this? I, I think that <laughs> that part is might be my favorite Eric Quirk of all time. That is phenomenal discipline if you can pull that off. And watch me when I see you next week in Bucolic, Bristol, Connecticut, eat a third of a cookie. Can't see, wait. there it's different because, like, how do I save it, you know? But well, you'll be well, here for three days. Cookies. Yeah, so just one. one I will buy a cookie at the calf on, what, Tuesday lunch, and I'll eat a third of it. I will bring my own little baggie, and then you will see me eat a third of it after dinner. Okay, I'm going to get, like, arrested for something. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why are we talking about You're Eric's You're arrested for your cookie eating? <laughs> <laughs> what? Do we... Do we have a special guest? We do. Stefania is here. She's going to help us answer Frank's question. Reporting around the DeGrom injury has been murky at best. He's wondering what he can do and how it looks, the outlook the rest of the year. Well, if only I could predict the future, I would tell you what's going to happen. But there's a couple things that I think are really important about this case and I, I listened to the podcast the other day when you guys were doing the whole injury I'm rundown. Sorry. Was, Very sorry. No, it's just it. You can't get pain. that part of your life back. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> nor can I. Nor do I want to because I learned a lot. Um, but but Eric, I heard you be very. You were very nervous about Degrom, and I understood why at that point because that was Monday before we had the visit that he had with Doctor David Alchek, who is the medical director for the Mets. And I think it's really important. This is why we talk about nothing, no two things being the same. You hear elbow in a pitcher, especially an ace, who throws hard. And when he's had Tommy John surgery in the past, I understand why everybody goes into panic mode right away. But I'm going to tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't panic and why I think this was much ado about relatively very little. If you consider the fact, let's just start with the fact that he had strep throat. When this popped up, He had full body aches and his elbow was sore. He talked to reporters about being thrown off his routine and he doesn't like that. He said things come up when he's not following his routine. You know how pitchers are. They they are very much creatures of habit. So he was trying to get some throwing in despite having strep throat. I don't know if you guys remember the last time you had strep throat, but it's very similar to flu in that you get jointy body aches and really uncomfortable. So doesn't surprise me that his elbow would be bothering him. Then the key would be, as he started to feel better, did the elbow change? Well, in fact, it did. And I think that's why when Mickey Calloway talked initially about, okay, he's going to go and get this MRI, you know, he was feeling so much better within 48 hours. They were like, hey, he, he was doing some light toss and maybe he doesn't need an MRI. Now, they ended up getting one and they didn't see anything. You know, I think the words where it came back clean, but let's talk about that for a moment. 
MRIs are not clean in pictures. <laughs> Period. Right? They got stuff, especially when you are 30 years old. You've been pitching as a pro for a number of years, and you have a history of not only Tommy John surgery, but a second procedure to do an ulnar nerve transposition, which is where they move the nerve uh, when it's causing irritation. Often after, you know, Tommy John surgery, it's usually when you hear about it a few years later, scarring around the nerve, you start to put some tension on it, guys get symptoms into their fingers. So they go in and they basically move the nerve, uh, release the scar around it, and, and that takes the issue away which it did for him. So when you sit here, clean MRI on a guy who's had all that, it means that it's relatively unchanged. There was nothing dramatic about this MRI relative to what it usually looks like. And you can really trust the opinion of Dr. Alchek here because this guy has seen DeGrom's elbow since the Mets drafted him. Think about this. You, in physicals, when guys are going to be drafted, they're looking at imaging studies. Then he saw the inside of his elbow back in 2010 when he did the Tommy John surgery. He saw the inside again when he had to do the ulnar nerve transposition. Before they signed his $137 million contract, you know, the five-year contract he did in March, before that all happened, they did imaging again to evaluate what they were signing up for. And so that was relatively recent. So when you look at this MRI, it was in relation to all of those things, not to mention the conversation between the athlete, his surgeon, who he knows and trusts, and the discussion about what happened in any physical exam that he did in the room. And the reason I tell you all that is because that context is really important to me when I think about how worried I am or not. And I'm not worried. Now, before you say, oh, my, <laughs> let's be honest, he's going to be 31 this summer. He's got a lot of mileage on his arm and he has a history of a surgery and he's pitched on this graft since 2010. So it's held up pretty well, but you never know. He's a pitcher. Of course, there's a risk for injury, but I don't think this episode makes me any more worried about him than I was before it ever popped up. I think this was a speed bump related to his illness more than anything else. And if I had the opportunity to put him in my starting lineup this week, I would. Of course, you're not visiting him. Um. <laughs> also, we didn't know the information at the time we would have locked the lineups. Right. Well, I, I mean, look. unless it, like unless you are sitting in the lineup daily, you know. But. Right, right. But in the ones where it's weekly, where we were ranting on it, I know for me, I didn't have the full knowledge no, of no. what was going on with That's them. why I, I forgave you off the top for being nervous <laughs> right. about it, because I said you didn't have this information on Monday morning. We didn't have the information about his visit and the results of the latest MRI until Monday evening. I would I would argue that they probably felt they didn't even need to do an MRI, which is why that conversation right. came up. And look, look at Clayton Kershaw. When he did not start the season on time because he was having issues, he did not want an MRI and the Dodgers chose not to get one. And some of the players who have been through things, they understand that you're not necessarily going to find anything. And they don't necessarily want to go through lying in a tube for a couple hours and going through all the testing if they know that they're feeling okay or they think it's something they can work back from. So I know that people get in a panic like, oh, how could they not do an MRI? They probably would have been just as comfortable in DeGrom's case if they didn't have one. Mm -hmm. But I would bet that there was a conversation like, look, 
we might as well just take a look just to make sure there's not something that's there that we should be aware of. And if there isn't, it's just more peace of mind for you that nothing has changed. Right. I, I personally hate being wishy-washy about my feeling about him, but I feel a lot better today knowing what we know than I did when we taped the last show. But, I mean, Stefania, you said, like you said, strep, strep is awful. It is awful. I have kids. I know what it's like. It's awful. You've mentioned before, and what worries me just a tiny, tiny little bit, and I guess I'm not, you know, panicked, is that when a player does try to go through things and they're off their routine, that it can lead to other issues. I mean, as a Yankee fan, I'm looking at that with Giancarlo Stanton with the whole, you know, separate injury. In DeGrom's case, you know, like there is still is the risk that he could cause problems by being off his routine, no? Well, it was for such a short time. I mean, the longer the downtime, the more concerned you are, right? Which is why we always talk about these guys who, if they, you know, if they miss a start and they're not really losing too much time throwing, we don't worry that much. Whereas a guy goes on the DL or, you, you know, you take a Severino, for example, where you're shutting down, you don't pick up the ball for six weeks and you say, okay, now you're going to work your way back. You know that they have to build that routine back up as part of getting back to pitching. DeGrom was throwing, even though it was just catch initially. He just wanted to go out and see how it felt. But I think that was, you know, like 36 hours later. So he really, even though his daily routine was altered for a few days, it was a relatively short time. And that was important. He had to get healthy after all. But once that cleared up, he was back throwing bullpens and doing his thing, working his way back to get ready for a start. So it wasn't a long enough interruption uh, for for me to be particularly concerned. Fair enough. I, I I think based on, look, Tristan and I did not remove Degrom from our top three starting pitchers, right? Right. E- even with all this uh, uncertainty, so uh, we could play a name game, but it would be a short one. It'd basically be versus Chris Sale or Verlander or you know Scherzer, and that's about it. And none of, I mean, that's about it. So. Stefania, thank you so much. We appreciate it, it's as always. It's my pleasure. I can't and, wait to um, see you guys next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. We will see to you next week in Bucolic, Bristol, Connecticut. Um, anything else we got to do on today's show, fellas? Uh, we done? Did we talked about We could be silly for an extra 10 minutes, I feel like. Kyle, anything left you want to talk about? <laughs> Philly Fanatic <laughs> made his debut in 1978 on this day, so that's kind of big news. Oh, is it his birthday today? Sure. Yeah, this weekend is his big birthday celebration. You going to his birthday celebration? No. Going to see no. Fred? Who's Fred? Who is Fred? His cousin or his nephew? My he showed nephew? up once. Fred fanatic or <laughs> yeah, I was at the I was at his birthday party the year where Fred showed up, and I'm That's sure Philly not true. Absolutely true. I bet you Philly fans will jump in here. Fred fanatic, I believe it was his nephew. He showed up at a game. <laughs> wow. <Okay>. Yep. <laughs> Who knew that there was like relatives? <laughs> yeah, no, well, family lineage. <laughs> There's like a lady fanatic who's dressed well, like him. That, okay. That's his mother. Mother, yeah, for Mother's Mother. She whacked she me in the head with her purse once. <laughs> oh, is that true? Big, Absolutely true. Big head. What? Sure. You have had a lot of encounters. With Philly I love the I fanatic, <laughs> but not Mrs. Fanatic. Mrs. Fanatic, not a Tristan fan. Oh, she's not a fan of me. No, she whacked me in the head with her purse. Wow. Yep. She probably lost. What do you do to provoke her? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She finished second in the fantasy league to Tristan. He came from fifty <laughs> points behind in the last week of the season. That's right. I beat her in vampire league. Sounds a little personal, Eric. <laughs> no, no. Why would I ever? We're done. I've had enough. Go enjoy your weekend, everybody. By the way, on Thursday's Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster and David Schoenfield, our buddies, take a deep dive into Reese Hoskins's 
ultimate revenge home run that took three minutes to circle. Plus the latest Power 10 rankings. Find the show on your favorite podcast app. We are done for the week. We'll be back on Monday. Tristan and Kyle, thank you so much to Stefania Bell. I am Eric. Have an awesome weekend. Everything is awesome. Darkness.